Wrestling fans, promoters, wrestlers, and anyone who enjoys pro wrestling now have something new to be excited about. The Wrestling Fans International Association, the WFIA, is back. WFIA is an association that exists to promote, grow, and support professional wrestling throughout the world. Membership is free. Your membership includes a free digital bi-monthly publication of the Wrestling Fan News newsletter, association updates, voting privileges, and much more. Please go to thewfia.org, that's T-H-E-W-F-I-A.org, and become a member today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the Pro Wrestle Zone podcast. I want to welcome Mr. Outrageous, Al Burke. Hello today. How are you, sir? I'm very oh, sir, good. How are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, as I stated before, I watched you quite a bit. Uh, won't say how much you know younger I am, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so I'm here to learn about your wrestling career. Actually, you were um, you've wrestled for quite some time, though, didn't you? Um, I just retired just as the pandemic hit uh, right. for the second time, uh, okay. but I did 37 years of wrestling. Yes. Wow! Wow! That's amazing. I um actually didn't know that. I thought that um. You had been retired and gotten into acting like way, way before that. And uh, the pandemic was definitely a weird period for, uh, I guess, wrestling in general or life in general, I should say. But the wrestling era was definitely weird. Yeah, I was. Uh, um, I got brought out of retirement to go to Toronto to wrestle up there. OK. In fact, here, let me shout out to my Toronto guys. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did that. So I had to get back in shape. I was, I had retired for about five years, I think. And so it took quite a bit to get back into shape. Um, weight, weight wise, I wasn't that bad, but age really caught up and, mm -hmm. and, uh, working is, uh, not easy. No. Back in the day, it was simple. I mean, uh, there were many nights that I'd wrestle twice a night, um, I would usually do a regular match and then come back in a mixed tag match with uh, the girls, you know, that were also on the card. And so I was doing double duty most of the time. And the promoter I worked for loved for me to go to 59 minutes and, you know, 58 seconds when he rang the bell and saved my butt from finally getting pinned. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, I was in really good shape back then, but. Wow. Anyways, I, I did it, and it was fun, and um, I did five matches up in Toronto, so that was good times. And um, But, yeah, then the pandemic hit, and I had just finished, you know, all of that, so, you know, nothing for me. Uh, Acting-wise, we kept busy during the pandemic because we worked for a lot of YouTubers. Oh, okay, and, wow. And they kept uh, kept me busy, so I can't complain. Um uh, I had work all through the pandemic, so, you know, no problem there. Yeah. Uh, before we actually get into the wrestling part, uh, so you you mentioned acting with, like, YouTubers and or, you know, keeping busy because of YouTubers. Like, what kind of stuff did you do uh, concerning that? Uh, the YouTubers are crazy. They got so yeah. freaking much money. A lot of them uh, that I worked for are anywhere from 12 to 16, 18 years old. So we would do stupid things like hide and seek. They would pay me to come in, usually a partner, both of us in uniform, drive in in a police car, find them, arrest them, take them to the car. You know, it's, you know, crazy, crazy crap. Uh, they would rent a mansion that, you know, we would, I remember the one, we were running across the roof trying to catch the guy. I finally had him cornered. He had to jump off in the pool, which was poison. So he was caught, but you know, he would let me catch him. So he jumped in the pool. <laughs> was that Mr. Beast? Does that sound familiar? No, no. Uh, I'm just saying I'm going by like what my kids watch. I know that they watch a lot of that weird YouTuber stuff. And some of those yeah. guys are just crazy. I mean, a crazy. lot of these kids are awesome. You know, I love them. And, uh, but even like big guys like David Dolbrick, I was the right. very first one, or David was, I should say, to have a right. cop come in and do a scene and nobody knew about it but two of us and plus the cops of course and mm -hmm. i came in and arrested his uh roommate and then 
another guy, because I told him, you know, kids were in a clinic, and guess they're going to jail. And the funny part was they didn't really know for sure if it was uh, real or not. And I got them downstairs after down the hall, down the elevator, into the garage, and they thought, oh, shit, this is real. And uh, finally, you know, David turns and goes, will you stop embarrassing me in front of these fake cops? And the, the poor guy was like, what? What? <laughs> so it took quite a bit because he really thought he was going to jail, and we played it to the hilt. And sorry, you, know, you, you can get bailed out later. Right now, you're getting locked up, kid. <laughs> That's awesome. That's hilarious. I also told him, I go, they're going to like you in jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's yeah. funny. Um, so my question is, like, were you a fan of professional wrestling growing up? I was at, at a very young child. Yeah. And then through my middle years, not at all. Mm -hmm. And then most people don't know the story until I tell it. Uh, friends of mine knew Hulk Hogan when he was with the AWA in Minneapolis. Right. Working for Vern Gagne. And mm -hmm. he had just come back from Japan from a tour over there. Uh, he was in the middle of his Nick Bockwinkle, you know, three matches. Right. Went to his apartment where um, he walked out of the doorway of the bathroom, I remember, and he had to duck. I'm like, oh, damn, you're big. <laughs> um, but he told us where to go to school and everything and how to train. And I walked away from that meeting going, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I can't do this for a living. And my friends were like, oh, God, oh, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> and I listened to their stories for two years before I finally decided I would do it, you know, because they were traveling all over the world, having a great time. And yeah. And now I outlasted all three of their careers put together with my 37 years. And I think about 5,000 matches. That's a lot of matches. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Did you, um, now I heard before you trained in Minnesota, correct? That's correct. I, Were um, you under Eddie Sharkey? Well, I was kind of, you know, okay. weird story. Eddie did not have a ring at the time, which Eddie okay. was kind of famous for. Right. Um, right. So um, his head trainer was Dan Rignati, who was Riggs from the Terminators, who was right. a personal friend. So I paid him to personally train me. And, you know, Dan knew my background. I mean, I came out of boxing. Then I went into karate. I, I did underground, you know, bare knuckle fighting. Um, he knew that, you know, I had plenty of ring experience. So that wasn't going to be a problem. So he trained me. And within about six months, I was ready for my first match. And. I remember one of my highlights, my very first match, uh, Sherry Martell was sitting in the audience. Scary Sherry. And, you yep, know, I yep. love, love her and so sad that she's gone now. But Big fan of hers, yeah. Well, yeah. We, we had some good times. I mean, we weren't great friends or anything like that. But mm -hmm. um, she actually brought me into the Cauliflower Alley Club, the the reunion for all the wrestlers and, and boxers, but the wrestlers have kind of taken it over. So Sherry kind of took me under her wing there too. And, and, you know, walked me through some things. So it was awesome. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, did you, um, now she was originally, I think in the AWA at the time, did you spend time in there at all? I, I did not. Um, I was, when I was with the WWF, I figured that was my job or Okay. So uh, by the time I walked in, I went in um, and I was right at the end of my WWF time. So I was probably 90 or 91. Right. Walked in the office, met with Eric Bischoff, told him what, what my thoughts were. I, you know, I felt I had paid plenty of dues and, you know, I've had, you know, hundreds of matches and I was ready to get a push. He goes, sadly, we're closing the doors next month. So that's as close as I got. Um, you know, I mean, I, I I was ready for it, I felt, and uh, it just wasn't meant to be, so I moved on. Right. Yeah. Now, it, it was a sad thing to see those guys uh, close shop because I was a huge AWA fan growing up, and suddenly one day it just wasn't on television anymore. Of course, I know. I, you know, it was just uh, – they had a, a lot of uh, amazing talent there. Obviously, somebody that uh, I heard in another interview that you were – I guess friendly with was uh, Tom Stone. Well, Tom Stone was my booker. He was your booker. Um, okay. He, he would call me, you know, he was like the main guy for the whole Midwest for, right. and maybe, maybe even the West for the right. WWF. 
Mm-hmm. And because I was out of Minnesota and we had such a huge pool of wrestlers there, he would call me up and say, I need 10, I need 15, I need 20 guys. And you're going to Cincinnati or you, you, you know, you're going somewhere, you know, Indianapolis. Right. Um, so, you know, that's what I would do. Then I would line up all my buddies. And uh, there were times we had two or three bands full of people traveling cross country, heading to the TV taping for the WWF. So, yeah. Uh, that was a very cool time, and you know, it still is for me. I mean, I still look back, and yeah, we were just jobbers, but I was paying my dues. I also was able to pay off wrestling school within, you know, in less than a year, just from my WWF work. So, you know, the, the money was good; it was fun, and I still look back, and you know, me and some of my friends still talk about it, and it, it was a good time. We had a great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to ask you some other some questions regarding people that you've uh, met in WWF that you've, you know, obviously being a jobber, I guess, enhancement talent, help enhance. Um, but let's see, how did you land in the WWF? You didn't go straight to there, did you? No, I had already yeah. done a few years on the different promotion promotions. Right, and right. Um, I think Tom Stone had heard about me. So he okay. called me directly and says, hey, you know. How well do you know people there? I go, I know pretty well. He goes, well, we can't take crap. So if they can't work, leave them home. And so I ended up developing a relationship like that. And it's something I never got paid for. I didn't get paid extra to do it. Mm -hmm. I never charged the guys anything. WWF paid for, you know, our rental vehicles and our rooms and everything. So, you know, they, at the time they treated us really, really good. And it was a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Geez, where was I going with this question? I forgot what I was doing. I so how you're asking me? No, I'm. I'm <laughs> sorry. This happens quite a bit on this show. Very uh, unprofessional sometimes. So with Tom Stone, I actually had Tom on this podcast probably about eight, okay. almost almost a year ago. First time right. I had ever interviewed him. I just kind of first time actually thing I did since I moved into this office. Uh, I just reached out to him one day, and he was very very friendly, very nice guy. Wow. So to talk to, awesome guy to talk he was, to. Yeah, good guy, good worker, you know, same thing. You know, he was just, you know, the middle of the road. You know, people saw him, you know, yeah. you know half the year on the WWF. And then he did his, you know, his shows. And I think he even ran a wrestling school for a while. And most I all of us did. So. Yeah, I believe he did. Um, I remember watching him bouncing back and forth, AWA TV, WWF TV, you know, like it was to me as a kid at that time, I thought that was weird. But then. Obviously, growing up, I understood how it worked. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so what was it like working there in the WWF? Like you said, they took care of you and uh, you traveled expenses and stuff like that. They took good care of us. I mean, you know, for the time, and we weren't we weren't making anywhere near what the big boys were. Right. But we didn't care. And you know, people ask, "Oh, you know, were you upset? You were a job or something?" Like, no, I was paying my dues, making a living. Um, I haven't had a real job since I started wrestling. Not one day. It's just been wrestling, and then I went into acting, and for a while it was both. But, you know, I had to. I had to. I wanted to make it work there. I didn't want an extra job. I didn't want to go bartending or bouncing or any of that stuff. I'd already done all that crap. So um, I really started pushing and getting into all these different organizations and uh, I ended up out in, uh, working for the guy out of Denver for eight years. So mm-hmm. either he would fly me in or we would drive in. Usually we'd drive in if it was summertime, and we'd put our Harleys back on the trailer. We'd take them to Colorado. We were done wrestling. We'd go ride around. I mean, it was it was awesome. And we even used them to come into the ring a few times. Dude, that's so awesome. It, it was a good life. And um, like I said, I still look back, and me and my friends, we laugh and we chuckle. And. It was really a good time for almost every one of us. Right. What do you think about the um, uh, the time period where, you know, they started weeding out guys such as yourself, um, you know, uh, and then basically bringing top guys throughout the entire show, maybe whether it be an hour or two hours and stuff like that, weeding out the enhancement talent? Even uh, the top guys, they weren't happy because um, – we got to go out there. We got a chance to work. We didn't get to do much. I mean, a few matches when I did too much, yeah. it was all edited out. Right. So it looked, I just got my ass kicked, and I realized, like, why am I even trying? Beat me like a stepchild, pay me, and send me home. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
That's crazy. Do you have any favorite opponent opponents during your time in WWF? I know you worked with LOD, the Warrior. Uh, let's see who else. I have Hercules. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably my most favorite guy that I worked with was uh, Big Boss Man. Really? Uh, Bob and I, I mean, yeah. for whatever reason, we hit it off really well. I was funny one night, um, and I wasn't working, but I went to see them. I, it must have been in Minneapolis. And I brought my two daughters at the time down there. He sat on a golf cart and just talked to them for probably two hours. Wow. Asking them, you know, so I'm sure he was homesick, but asking yeah. them, you know, you know, what'd you do today? You know, well, you know, at school, you know, you know, tell me about your school. You know, he just, you know, but he was a really decent guy. And I remember the one night, you know, he was uh, going to hit me with a clothes. I go, hit me hard, toss me off. And I kicked out so hard. I ended up hitting the back of my head on the mat, knocking myself out. Jeez. He comes over and he starts picking me up. I'm like, Bubba, Bubba, I'm seeing bubbles. Give me a minute. He went over and did his interview, came back and went, Don't matter, brother. I'm like, Yep, 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 let's go. And boom, 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 finished it off. But, you know, he was one of my most enjoyable ones. Uh, one of the toughest ones was um, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Uh, Jim was so unbelievably strong and hyped up. Um, I tell people he pressed me easier than I could press a 10 year old child over my head. And at the time, I was 240. Right. And, yeah, he had no problem. I mean, I didn't even get a chance to assist. You know, it just, boom, I was there. Um, so that was, you know, that was one. Um, you know, the biggest guys, I always say, I got to get in the ring uh, with um, uh, the Giant. Yeah, you, know, you, you were telling me that. Yeah. How was it working uh, with him? Um, as soon as my head went over and got smashed into the Giant's boot and then he tagged in, I got the hell out of there. <laughs> you know, I don't want 500 and whatever 540 he was billed at, but even if it's 500, I don't want that falling on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you, you know, what an honor, you know, guys like that. You know, at the first time I wrestled them, it's the only time I got in the ring. And, you know, they were colossal connection, but they were not tag team champions for the WWL. Right. A few months later, they put me in there again, but I had already worked that night, and they said, don't even tag in. So, you know, I did the whole, you know, even though they were the heels, my guy's right there. You know, Haku's got them there, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think so, not tonight. <laughs> so the fans hated me, and, and it was a really good friend of mine, but, you know, he didn't care because he didn't yeah. get to go very often. And, you know, we're facing Haku and, you know, the giant, Andre the yeah. freaking giant. A legend, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, I was able to, um, I, I think it was the night after I faced Ultimate Warrior, I ended up going against um, a Big John Stud. Okay. And I had no idea how strong John was. I mean, he's a, obviously a monster of a guy. Mm -hmm. but, but I ended up, you know, as soon as the bell rang, we came out, and I popped him a couple of times, turn around to the um, turnbuckle, climb up, turn around to jump on him, and boom, he grabbed me by the throat. And walked me out with one arm at 240. <laughs> then he reached under my ass as soon as he started losing me a little bit and just threw me into the turnbuckle. And you know, I mean, short ribs on the turnbuckle that didn't feel good, but right. Um, but anyways, yeah, you know, some of the biggest, baddest guys, probably the best technician was um, Bret Hart. I went against Hart Foundation, and you know, so. You know, I was very, very blessed to work with some of the biggest, baddest guys in the whole world, in the whole wrestling business. Right. And, um, yeah, you know, good times and no regrets. Um, I do want to ask you, you worked um, against the Nasty Boys, and you teamed up with Ricky Rice uh, against the Nasty Boys, which I was like, I didn't know Ricky Rice had made any appearances for WWF. I'm, you're familiar with him, correct, from the AWS? Yeah, yeah, no, I knew yeah. Ricky, but yeah. I... I don't remember who my partner was with the NASA. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I found this on uh, YouTube today, actually, when I was doing a little bit more like extra research. Yeah. And I like, I was appalled because I've always been like a huge Ricky Rice fan. And I was like, I never knew he was there. And it just oh, amazed me. You were close, well, like Top Gun or something, wasn't that? Yeah. Him and Derek Dukes were the top, Dukes, gun, yeah. top guns. Yep. And that's when I was just starting in the business. Yeah. But, anyways, a little backstory to that one. Um, about three months earlier, the Nasty Boys were booked in Key West, Florida to wrestle for B. Brian Blair down there and, and okay. Paul Orndorff and all that. 
while they double booked themselves with the Bahamas. So um, they came to Brian like, oh, sorry, yo, we're going to the Bahamas. And Brian's like, you know, you know, they back out half the time. Oh, no, this time we're guaranteed. He goes, okay. So they booked me and the guy I always wrestle with, Party Animal, to fill in for the Nasty Boys in Key West. Well, then when I met him the night I had to work, I'm like, oh, hey, by the way, thanks. You know, we got to fill in for you guys in Key West. First punch was as solid as could be right to the head. <laughs> I'm guessing they, the show got pulled or they got pulled from that. Well, uh, well, no, you know, we went in and we worked and, you know, yeah. they missed out and they didn't get any booking. So they were pissed. Well, then when I kind of rubbed it in there, he threw me <laughs> off, hit me with a punch, threw me off again and called the clothesline and I didn't go for it. <laughs> I, I heard I heard they could be a little bit uh, difficult to work with, I guess, stiff on times. And you know, I heard that their hygiene wasn't the greatest either, I heard. That's so. one thing. But, you know, I came out of, you know, all kinds of full contact sports. I got no problem taking a punch. And right. I took it. Right. And, you know, it, it was awesome. I thought, okay, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at that point, I had worked myself, you know, I probably was at least three, maybe four years into the WWF at that point. So, right, you, know, right. I, you know, I had a lot more skills and a lot of matches under me and a lot of, my friends from Minneapolis there, you know, Ricky Rude, guys like that. I mean, Ricky mm -hmm. came to me and he was working with Ultimate Warrior at the time doing their angle when I worked against him. And I came back and and Ricky walks over and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, that was just all wrong. <laughs> and I go, hey, I'm just here to do my job. You know, but, you know, the guys watched out for me, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. I mean, we all came out of the Minnesota area and, Right. You, know, you mentioned LOD. Well, I used to work out at their gym. And so they came to me and go, you know, uh, we're just coming in. You know, we got to come in hot and hard. And, you know, we chose you because you know what you're doing, but it's going to be rough. I'm like, fuck you. Give me, bro. <laughs> um, if you watch that match, it looked devastating. Those yeah. guys, are, they were, sadly, they're gone. Uh, they were such yeah. pros. Total freaking pros. Um, yeah. You know, they didn't tater me once. I mean, nothing was stiff. I mean, it looked like it. It looked yeah. like they were killing us, but that's how dang good those guys were. So, yeah, Joe and Mike, God, I miss you guys. Yeah, we, I was actually discussing them today. Somehow they came up in conversation. Maybe I was watching something, and my wife uh, my wife was a big fan, so we just ended up getting into this really cool conversation about the LOD. And so I yeah. said, hey, I'm interviewing this guy tonight and showed her the yeah. clip of you guys. So. So um, you were Kerry Von Eric when he came came in as well. I did. Uh, sadly, yeah. I don't even remember it. And it wasn't yeah. because of drugs or alcohol. There's a few of the guys, um, um, Brian Adams. So he goes, oh, I saw your match with him. I'm like, I never worked with him. You know? well, I, I kind of remember Kerry, but I remember just being worried about not attacking his foot. <laughs> right. Right. You know, didn't want that boot to come off. Um. But a lot of them, I just went in, did my job, didn't care who I was working with, bang, 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 send me home. This one I found awkward because I thought maybe it was a little too late of a period, but you wrestled the Steiner brothers when you were in there, according to the research I found. So I thought that maybe, I don't remember when you left. When did you leave? 91, 92? Uh, 92, maybe even 93. I don't remember. It's, yeah, it's possible because I think they came in in 93. So do you remember, like I have, I've always heard that those guys were brutal and stiff. You know, same thing. Total pros. I mean, I had to take the what are, whatever they call that freaking thing off the thing off the shoulder. The, the bulldog thing or, or yeah. the DDT. Yeah. Um, yeah. I took that and I took 24 cc's of liquid out of my knee Jeez. four different times over the next week. Well, it was my fault because I cheated a knee because I was spinning through the air and um, yeah, you know, I cheated my knee out and I shouldn't have. I should have just taken body, which I know, but um, yeah, blasted my knee pretty dang good. And, you know, what a, those things, way it goes and, you know, moving on. You worked with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty on numerous occasions in the WWF. Yeah. Probably I found three or four matches listed. Yeah. So um, did you know then, like, how great they were at that time period and, like, yeah, I had an idea, but when I got in the ring with them and realized, you know, God, these, you know, and I, I don't even know if they're 18. They probably just were. 
Right. They've already worked for many years. Smooth, quick, fast. I mean, there again, you know, true professionals at a very young age. And of course, you know, sadly, you know, Marty's been just a royal screw up the rest of his life. And so Sean was able yeah. to kick that and go beyond and, you know, actually had a fabulous career. And I heard Marty still, you know, there's no shows at special signings and things like that, which is sad. But, yeah, you know, we, we can only control ourselves. And, you know, that's a choice he's made. And, no, I was, you know, they're again very honored to work with all these top guys and yeah, the rockers. Yeah. I remember, you know, they got up the top rope and they both jumped off at the same time. I thought, this might hurt. <laughs> Didn't feel a thing. Not a freaking thing. That that's how good they are. Yeah. And uh speaking of what you're saying, it's like it's uh Marty's choices in life, it's gotten him a TV special. Like uh this season, a dark side of the ring, he's gonna be uh, one of the subjects at hand. So uh, it's a damn shame. Yeah, it is very sad. I was always, you know, it's funny when I was younger, I thought that he was going to be the breakout star out of the team, but uh, it turned out to be the complete opposite. So, well, at the time, yeah. you know, the two, you know, they varied. One would get in trouble one week, one would get in trouble the next week. It was right. back and forth and back and forth. And, and luckily, Sean, you know, straightened out and, you know, and look at God, how big he became and how, you know, famous. And, you know, I mean, he was. You know, a household name for people that didn't even hardly know wrestling. He was so right, big. right. Yeah. Um, what about working with Bob Backlund when he returned to WWF? You worked with Bob. Uh, he's another guy that's originally from this area. Really nice guy. Yeah. Um, a night off again. You know, so smooth. I mean, I, I could barely feel he was even there. He was so white. Um, yeah. Again, a true professional. Nice yeah. guy. Um, you know, it's kind of cool. You know, you don't have to go through the the ultimate warrior antics or, you know, things like that. It's just Bob Backlund and the technician yeah. and boy, he was. Yeah, man. I've always loved that guy. And uh, so you teamed up with two guys. And I'm really interested in knowing what your opinion about this was. One guy I'm a huge fan of one guy. I'm surprised that I didn't even know that he was in there, but tell me about Bob Bradley. I've always loved Bob Bradley. I followed his career for the most part up until he left WWF and I guess retired after that. Yeah, I didn't know him much even when I worked with him and stuff, other than I yeah. would see him at the tapings. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, seemed like a decent guy. I mean, I never had issues with him, no heat. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, just, you know, a guy came in, did his job, went home, kind of, you know, yeah. most of us. So, he's one of those guys that I thought like should have been like gotten a push in WWF. Cause I thought that he was that good. I watched him in world class for years before that. And, you know, he former Texas champion and stuff like that. And, you know, seeing him squash pretty much every week on WWFT was just like, you know, they got to do something with this guy and just didn't seem to materialize. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I remember he had at least one dark match. I mean, I had a couple, yeah. you yeah. know, tryouts, but I always knew I wasn't big enough. Right. You know, and I was yeah. there during the land of the giants, you know, I obviously Andre and, you know, big John Stud and stuff. And, you know, most of the guys were, you know, six, four and over. Mm -hmm. you know, and I was barely scratching six foot. So, you know, I knew I really didn't have much of a chance and I needed to go to the independence to, to make something of myself, which I did. Um, did you ever try going to WCW at all? Maybe working there? I did not. Um, um, I just decided that, you know, I didn't want to go there to prove myself again. I figured I already had. Mm -hmm. I felt their talent pool was way too big, and I would right. never get it. Yeah. Um, what was it? Now, I thought that this was kind of strange. that Bobby Jaggers was in there and did a squash with you. Jeez, uh, I think he might have been wrestling with uh, the Rockers again for that match, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. I think that might have been one of the matches. Hangman Bobby Jaggers. Any opinions on working with him at all? No. Um Name just rings a bell, and that's about okay. it. Sadly, okay. sorry. No, that's cool. That's you. Uh, you went to Japan at one point. I did. I actually was a late uh, fill-in. Somebody got hurt, mm -hmm. and um, so I went over there. Um, sadly, I didn't know enough about their style, mm -hmm. um, and I tried to um, first entice the audience, which they don't do. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I ended up getting him finally yelling back at me. They, I pissed him off enough. 
But I tried to get my opponent mad, and my opponent spoke no English, and he had been like thirty year black belt. And, oh. But I wanted him, you know, and I, you know, got a karate background, but I had no idea what I could take for real kicks and stuff. And so I thought, well, this might be the first time I'm getting knocked down. And so I uh, went out there, and I think it was late in either the fourth or the fifth round, he finally landed a round kick to my jaw. And I was so happy because I didn't even see bubbles, sparks, fireworks, nothing. I'm like, good, I can still take it. Drop to a knee, sold it like you're supposed to. Then I got a picture of that bastard kicking me while I'm down. And back then, that wasn't legal. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. I don't think they were that happy with me because I, I tried to – piss him off, but I, I didn't do it the way that they do their things. They did tell me in between rounds to do pick him up for a suplex and uh, do a face plant suplex. And I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. I did it, dropped him in, and they go, oh, no, he'll be okay. <laughs> okay. So that was my one and only time. Uh, he, uh, my opponent, you know, we were main event and um, um he was trying his own league and it didn't happen. We didn't have a, you know, we had like maybe 500 people in there. Wow. Um, so it wasn't a great draw for over there. And I don't know if he ever ran another show. So that's the first time I don't even have it listed here, but that was the first time I had ever heard of that company. Uh, yeah, no, and that, that might be D and E if I remember right. And that might yeah. have been the only show they ever ran. So, yeah. But, so, um, Spend some time working with Herb Abrams in the UWF. <laughs> you knew what I was going to ask. <laughs> so. um, you know, it's funny. Uh, Herb and I, you know, because I live in L.A. and he was here much of his time. I mean, he shared with New York, but at yeah. that time he was here. And I ended up working my way up. And, of course, mostly because he pissed everybody else off and they quit. So I ended up becoming second in command on the West Coast. Okay. I have all of his tapes, and I still, I mean, I've got part of them here, and I've got part of them in storage um, for um, a company that, you know, tried to, or, or they did redo it, and they used uh, Mean Gene Okerlund did voiceover sound. Classic wrestling, yeah. And yeah. Um, so I've never seen them, mm-hmm. but um, I should ask for a tape just so I could watch a DVD or a link or something. But yeah, I've got everything. I've still got some merchandise here. Um, yeah, it was. I was mad that he he died. Um, you know, at one point we were moving him out of his Malibu, one of his Malibu houses, and um, my kids were getting paid to help load the, the lighter stuff. And at one point, Herb's laying on the driveway crying, "Help me, help me! I'm dying!" Like, you know what? Fuck you. And my kids are walking by like, and I'm like, whoa, stop. Look at this. This is drugs. This is as good as it gets. Well, knock on wood. Thank God. My, my girls never did drugs. So I'm happy. And if they, if they saved his life, then, you know, it was worth it. But, you know, the guy had the gift of gab. Um, He could go to synagogue and it was illegal for the Jewish people to do this, but he could conduct business in the synagogue and talk people out of money. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, I was with him a few times when, you know, he would walk away 50 or a hundred thousand dollars and that would help pay all of us up that he owed and then give him money to go have fun and have his hookers and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so it was a wild, crazy ride. Um, it was entertaining. Herb was definitely fun. Um, just after the MGM Grand, he took Dr. Death Steve Williams and his girlfriend. He gave myself uh, an extra ticket to go to Maui with him and his girlfriend. Wow. Well, um, the funny part was the night before we left, he got in a fight with his girlfriend. So he took one of Heidi Fleiss's hookers. <laughs> Remember Heidi Fleiss? <laughs> Uh, sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. She was the Hollywood madam. Got you. Okay. Yeah. So, and Steve flew in and I'm not sure if Steve was in Louisiana at the time or he actually came over from Japan. Um, and then I, at the time, you know, had nothing going, you know, good relationship wise and wasn't going to take anybody to Maui, you know, honeymoon Island. I've already been there. And no, that's not, not someplace I want to be with somebody I don't like. 
So, so I went by myself, and well, three days in, Herb got tired of his hooker, so he, you know, told me take her back to the airport. We're gonna charge you fifty bucks to change her. Let's see how good you are. You know, don't pay the money. I came back and I go, here you go, bitch. <laughs> so, but um, you know, one of the funniest things, Steve and I were in the pool, and you know, Herb, you know, you know, little tiny Jewish boy, light skinned, and he had to be under the shade, of course. And uh, it, it was pretty humorous because the waitress comes over. She's got this whole full tray full of drinks. She goes, um, sir, I think these are for you. I'm like, oh, yeah, just set them down. I'll see you back in 30 minutes. She goes, for what? I go, the next round. <laughs> Herb would send us over a whole tray full of drinks to Steve and I. We each had our own tray. Boom. <laughs> that's awesome. That's um, yeah. Awesome. So, you know, that's the first time I really got to know Steve well and, you know, hang out with him and talk about the business and things like that. So that was fun. And yeah, right after that, I think it was two weeks and Herb was dead. Wow. Uh, have you ever read uh, Jonathan Plumbum's book? Uh, about I, Herb Abrams? I think that's the one I just got. Oh, oh it's, I forgot what the name of it is all of a sudden. Uh, I thought it was here. Sorry, I'm looking. I think it's the one I just received. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he just put that out. I think it came out last year, if I'm not mistaken. He's yeah, he was waiting to. Uh, sorry, I can't find it. Right off. That's okay. He's been on this uh, podcast a couple of times talking about the book. First, before the book was released, and then right when the book was released, he came on and it, he's put some amazing work in it. And he's offered some great information on that book, like on Herb Abrams and the UWF. So, yeah, I had quite a few quotes in there. We talked a lot, and I gave him some of the backstories and mm -hmm. um, some some of the fun we had, and some of the scary times we had. I mean, when we were in Israel, I didn't know if they're going to let us leave. Yeah, yeah. Herb trashed his hotel room, which Herb was great at. And uh, on the way to the airport, the uh, manager of the hotel called us up and says, "I have never in all my years seen a room this bad." <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god. Oh. And uh so until that plane took off, I thought we might end up staying there. But that was a Herb Abrams antic, and you know, I was with him through some of his drug things, and um it was sad, horrible, and um you know it I think that's the only way Herb got out of the drug habit is dying. I got that. Yeah, I understand. It was. I remember finding out, and I found out the um, you know in the newspaper. I thought it was just, or maybe it was the Observer. I don't remember. There you go. Torture and ambition, yep. right? Yep. There you go. Um, so let's see. What else was I gonna? I, you said that you had the tapes. Did you, you know that they did you um, work with the Savoldic Library and get it on their network? No, no, because I know that some of the tapes were up there. Um, I don't know where they where they got them from, but I um, think. Um, the family, well, when I talked to the family, they put the lawyer on, and the lawyer's like, well, you give me all the tapes, and if we make money, I'll send you money. No. Yeah. I'm, no, I don't know. I'm not getting rid of it. Well, Sunny Beach, I think, came out, emptied out the the uh, storage locker, and, okay. and took it all back, or you know, shipped it all back, and there were some tapes in there at the time. I've got the PAL, and then I've got all the TV shows that we had done, or he had done. Wow. So, yeah, I've got like 200 and some hours, 220 or something hours of amazing. edited footage. And Herb was playing his game, so a lot of the matches were the same, just shuffled mm -hmm. around. Gotcha. So he can make new new albums or whatever you wanted to call it, new tapes. So, yeah, you know, that was Herb's little game. Yeah, like I said, some of them appeared on the Savoldi, the newer network that the Savoldi started. They, uh, there was the uh, couple of the specials like Blackjack Brawl came up, and 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 yeah. uh, the one from the the Blackjack Brawl, oh Beach Brawl, you know, they're in its entirety in the, and then there was a bunch of like the VHS specials that came out, the commercial tapes that came out. Right. Then there was a bunch of like TVs, and I started, I went through and watched some of the stuff that I. I did not see. And it's amazing, like you said, that there was like, you know, whoever, it seemed like at one point people, he was just bringing anybody in, any local guys that were to that area. It seemed like some like, I remember these tapings, but I remember seeing different guys. But then these are like different uh, ones that I haven't seen, but it's just like 
I've never heard of any of these guys. Like two straight episodes, I haven't heard of any of the guys that were on there. So right, that was just very bizarre. So you have all that stuff. You have all that stuff. That's amazing. So you should do something with it. I'd be. <laughs> I would love to see all that footage. I mean, if you know, I'm willing to pay somebody to help me get it out there. But yeah. we've got a lot of money invested just in storage alone on the ones mm -hmm. that um, me and Gene did. Uh, those yeah. are sitting in uh, in a uh, film locker. Okay. Um, so you know, storage is being paid. Um, we did just have somebody back from the East Coast uh, want to start up a new network. So, you know, um, we talked, but there wasn't any money there. And this was, you know, it doesn't even pay for a month of storage. So, no. Right. So it's just sitting there, but eventually it'll become antique. <laughs> it'll see the light of day someday when it just. Yeah. 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 Like I said, I'm sitting with all these PAL tapes, which is all the foreign formats or any other country that wanted it. But I don't even know if those are any good anymore because of the internet and everybody being able to stream. Um, so I don't know because PAL is uh, 25 frames per second. And the okay. U.S. is 24. So it's an extra oh. frame in there. Yeah, you know, it was weird why they did it. We don't know why. Maybe it's yeah. a little more quality per second. I don't know. But, um, yeah. yeah, but I've, I've got it. So if you ever hear of anybody, let me know, and we'll try to work out a deal if we will. You know, I'm happy to, you know, share monies. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So uh, you mentioned Sunny Beach. Yeah. Who's, uh you know, he's uh, he worked for Herb a long time, and he worked obviously he worked WWF too. And yeah. I remember watching him elsewhere, IWF, I think, out of Florida, maybe. Yeah. So, what was he like working with him? He was okay. I mean, um, yeah. I don't think he was happy he got thrown in with me. Herb had okay. given me a whole new gimmick. I was Doctor Feelgood, which fit into Herb's world perfectly, even though I never just dispensed drugs to Herb. <laughs> but yeah, I came out with Missy Hyatt and um and yeah, that was our one and only show at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas in the garden. I remember I watched that. I bought a tape at now I used to do a lot of tape trading and then go to conventions, some of the conventions early on. I remember buying that tape and the uh distributor, the guy that was selling it, put a description on the back of it and he said it was the worst wrestling event that was ever held. <laughs> And I said, well, I'm already very familiar with Herb because I used to get the TV, you know. So I said, but I got to watch this. I haven't seen any new, you know, UWF in a long time. But I didn't think it was nearly as bad as he made it out to be. <laughs> so. It wasn't a great show by any manner of means. No. Most of us no. were just there doing our job. Um, Herb became uh, incognito before the whole show started. And there were a lot of technical issues that we tried to get fixed, and I was second in command on that one. So I'm rushing around trying to get things done, and um, it was as good as we could. I mean, Herb was out for the almighty dollar, and I tried to talk him into giving every employee at the MGM Grand free tickets to show up. Oh, no, 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 no. Make them buy them. They can buy them. They're working people. Well, sadly, you saw, I mean, I don't, you know, probably same thing, four or five hundred at the most. Right. And, um, yeah, it was sad, and it could have been so much better. But, yeah, Herb lost, lost focus, and I ended up taking the blame for Herb that night, you know, because he got caught with a hooker. Herb <laughs> Abrams, really? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, she was mine. Sorry. <laughs> And everybody was like, oh, that's bullshit. It wasn't Yeah, yours. they knew. <laughs> yeah, everybody knew. So, um, But, yeah, that was the games we had to play with Herb. And, you know, like I said, it was kind of sad. But, you know, his life was not a storybook. It was a horror book that, you know, at times was great and most of the time wasn't. And, you know, I, I feel bad still looking back at it that, you know, he couldn't straighten out. And I actually talked to the judge in Malibu, Judge Myra, mm -hmm. uh, because Herb failed two piss tests. And, of right. course, he lawyers that, you know, wrote up, a, you know, a 10-page synopsis of why. And and so the judge goes, okay, I'll, I'll accept this. And, you know. and so I told Judge Myra, I go, please, please, you know, he's playing games. I don't want to see him die. Well, he did. So, um but the reason he died was, I think, more because he knew he was caught. 
He knew he was going to go to prison. And he always said, little Jewish boy in prison is not a good thing. And so he scared himself to death, I believe. Uh, yeah, I've always heard that he was... Well, he was a businessman. He was a very, he actually, deep down, he actually was very, you know, caring and loving to a lot of people. He was. Yeah. So, yeah. but uh, a crazy businessman, I guess, and always trying to make it in, in the world of professional wrestling. So Right. Here, yeah. let, me, let me change out real quick. I, I got the surprise for you. There I'll you go. Right All right. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Now, go. this is for there all the go. people out there. There you go, Andre. <laughs> Andre the Giant. Now, well, we had a taping out, or um, a premiere of uh, one of the um, wrestling shows, and this was the shirt they were selling. So, you know, all of us got them. And, and yep. I go, oh, wait, wait, how many of you got to work with Andre? Oh, just me? Oh, sorry, <laughs> sucker. <laughs> But yeah, you know, there again, you know, a true honor. I mean, uh, you know, a monster in the game, a monster in real life, and a sweet guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't actually known people that have known him. And somebody, a friend of mine, said that you know he met him at a kid and, as a kid, and his hand was just gigantic compared to his. It was just an amazing thing to see him in public. The first time, or the actually the only time, I think I might have. The only time. The only time I've the the first wrestling show I ever attended was in nineteen eighty. It was him and Randy Savage in the main event. Savage had just won the world title, and I was in amazement. So, and I think that that's what changed my life forever, as far as uh, being interested in professional wrestling. I think I became right. obsessed obsessed after that because I just saw something just amazing between the two of them. Yeah, it was just awesome. Yeah. Now Randy and I got a little bit of heat at one of the shows. Really. Um, he came out of the locker room because him and Liz had their own locker room. And I'm in the sitting in the hallway and we all had chairs. I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm I was naked, you know, had a towel across my lap. I'd just taken off my wrestling thing. I just finished right, you know, no place to shower or anything. And I was all set to, you know, put my clothes on. He came out and saw that and just went berserk. Or so the agents come over and they're yelling at me I'm like, where are we going to go? This is a basketball arena. We're not allowed in the locker rooms because there's what, 10 people in each one? Right, you know, right. We got no, okay, okay, just Randy's upset. You know, I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, then a couple of years later, I work with Randy on a Mad About You, a TV show. I remember that show. Yeah. And they beat me. I go out there and face Gorilla Boy was the guy's name, one of the... Uh, the stars of the show came out and decided he's going to be a pro wrestler. So he beats me and then goes on to face Macho Man. So anyways, you know, he almost beats Macho Man, you know, on the TV show and then, you know, ends up losing and all that. But I remember at the time, you know, Liz was, you know, not with him anymore. He had Frankenstein. I remember. Yep. And I'm sitting there, you know, and they had the ring stools like boxing, but it was for wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting on the, you know, the, the short little thing, the, you know, ring aprons, 30 inches, 36 inches. I look up and there's Frankenstein's bottom half staring me right in the eye. And I realize, oh shit, Brandy sees this, we're fighting. Well, so that's all I Might think now, you had we, it out. Well, we would have been, we would have gone to blows, yeah. And oh, right away I'm like, oh, I gotta move. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> But, you know, that, that was the only time. I mean, Randy was decent. We actually had the same agent here in Hollywood. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, there again, one of the iconic figures of all of wrestling. And, you know, to be able to at least be part of that world was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so what made you, how did you end up getting into acting? You went from wrestling to acting pretty much. And, uh, you know, you've done commercials, you've done shows. Sorry. Yeah. The local promoter or one of them here in LA, Carl Lauer, uh, who mm -hmm. passed away during COVID, but um, he was hired to do a uh, movie as a stunt coordinator. And it was a Mexican folklore based movie uh, called uh, Atomic Blue or Zul Atomico in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And he basically comes to me and he goes, I got this script. 
they're going to shoot a movie and I need a bad guy. And he goes, all you have to do is beat up, kidnap, and kill Mexicans in East L.A. <laughs> I'm a bad guy. Yeah, no problem. Well, I ended up working with the Lucha guys. Um, had some fabulous fights. I mean, one of my specialties, and this is, you know, why, you know, as a stuntman in Hollywood, there's only a few of us can do this. I took a backdrop onto the asphalt with no padding, no gator back, no anything. Wow. Just just me and the uh, asphalt. So um, things like that. But, you know, I trusted him to take me over. Right. He did. And, yeah, it was a perfect landing. Didn't even bruise anything. But that's how I got my start into acting is because of Carl and uh, giving me or casting me in uh, my very first movie. There's one commercial that I came across recently that I forgot about, and I wanted to ask you about. You worked did a Hungry Man commercial with uh, was it Al from Happy Days? Do you remember this? Yeah, my my favorite sitcom of all time is Happy Days, and you know, so I want to ask you about that commercial. How did that come about? And you know, um, I auditioned. They were looking for a wrestler. Yeah. And um, basically, um, I don't remember. I, I don't know if you saw the whole part. Um, I actually rip off a freezer door off of one. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And it was a real door. So yeah. it was not light. It was probably close to 50 pounds. Nope. And so I got to pull it off and then turn and not hurt anybody and do all that. And um, But working with Al was um, you know, enlightening, mm -hmm. um, very much a gentleman. One of the things I'll go to the very end. When we were all done filming everything, he walked to every single person in the crew, shook their hand, and thanked them. That's amazing. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty classy. And you know, and I had probably only been around for a couple of maybe three, four years at that point, so mm -hmm. I was still pretty new to the whole acting world. But that really struck me that he would take the time to do that. So you know, that impressed me and. Um, I remember when I finally got my SAG card, I was shooting a commercial wrestling again up in uh, San Francisco. And um, I went and sat with all the extras. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hey, I'm just a working guy here. And it was funny because I'm, uh, it's me and another guy flown up from LA. The Frisco wrestlers were not happy because none of them got the job. Um, but they, they, uh, the, they auditioned them and didn't like them. But they took my partner, who'd never been in the ring, and I'm like, well, that's okay. I'll do all the high-flying stuff and all that. And they go, no, no, no. You beat him up. That's it. Okay. <laughs> the opening spot was 25 scoops and body slams in a row. <laughs> he would not let me put him down easy. Every time I would twist him one way, he would fight it. So he always came down bad. And I kept wow. telling him, let me do my job. Don't fight me. He goes, oh, I don't care. I don't care. We're getting our SAG card. This is so cool. <laughs> and, yeah, for like 10 hours, I did nothing to beat him up. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Um, so, of course, you know, one of your probably, I guess, most recognizable in a way, the wedding singer. Yes. Now you got to work with Adam Sandler and Billy Idol for that, uh, for that picture. And... I simply thought that was just amazing. That was a lot of fun. That was a, you know, I don't know if you're an Adam Sandler fan or not. That's kind of when he was just uh, on a roll, I guess, in the 1990s. It was the start of his role, I believe. Yeah. Um, I, I knew his name. I knew him from, you know, a little bit of comedy, but I had not seen uh, Happy Gilmore. I think that was the first That was the one before. The, yeah, I think Wedding Singer might have been his third movie, I think. Third. So yeah. I, I, I went and rented it to watch it, you know, just so I didn't go in looking stupid, going, oh, yes, I saw your movie. And, well, tell me about it. You can't. <laughs> so I, I'm not one to lie like that, so I went out and watched it. And, yeah. But, okay, I, I see this real slapsticky, you know, goofy comedy, but okay. But um, I actually read the – when I first auditioned for it, it was for David Lee Roth, not Billy Idol. So I'm thinking girls, 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 all the cool songs he's got also. And uh, I think it was 28 days later, I get a call from my agent. Well, you, you got the part. And, what part? I haven't been out in, in a while. <laughs> oh, the wedding singer. Like, what? Oh, yeah, you know, a month ago. I'm like, oh, okay. 
Well, they they couriered over the script that night. So, you know, so I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. So, and then I realized it's with Billy Idol. And so, okay, you know, I like the choices and stuff. And um, well, when I auditioned, I actually auditioned with the director. And he goes, go ahead and invade, invade my space. So I basically went nose to nose with him. And, you know, because we didn't have the card or anything like that. And right. um, I actually knock him down. And then I jump down on the floor, pick him up. And like, what should we do with him now? Well, we couldn't film that well. So they cut that part of it. But, um, we, you know, shoot the movie. Everything's cool. Walk on the, the airplane. And Adam turns to Billy Idol and goes, hey, there's your bodyguard. But hmm, that's kind of cool. So not know much. Do our part. No big deal. And then comes the rap party where we're celebrating the finished movie and all that. And Billy brings this whole band and gives us a private concert for two hours. That's awesome. Adam Sandler gets up and plays every song with Billy Idol. And I had no idea he was that good on the guitar. Yeah. Well, then talking to Billy later, I mean, to Adam later, he goes, I loved your, your tape because I gave my, my reel, we call it, my highlights, kind of, you know, somewhat of what you might have seen online. Saw that. And he goes, I'm the one who hired you. You're really funny. I'm like, dude, I'm not funny. You're funny. But thank you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you know, it was all pretty cool. I didn't know until the movie came out because there's always a chance you could hit the cutting room floor. Right. And the thing, and you know, they can't cut my part out because it's such an intricate part of getting Robbie and Julia together on the airplane. Right. Yep. And so, no, when I was there, I'm like, oh, thank you. I still get paid to this day for that movie, and it's That's been amazing. 15 years, maybe almost 20 years. Yes. Over 20 years, I think it came out in 97, 90, yeah, 97, yeah. 98, something like that. Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be 20 years coming up here. Wow, wow. yeah, but, That's anyways, really cool. yeah, so I get four checks a year, it's only like a hundred and something a check now. No, not a big yeah. deal, but it's a hundred and something I didn't have yesterday. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Yeah, it's grocery, it's grocery money. Yeah, or, you know, or dinner out with the family or something like that. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very, uh very blessed with that. And then after all of the things that happened with the band and the, you know, all that, I thought, okay, now I'm going to get going in this. Nope. <laughs> no, it was still a struggle. No, I mean, I would go in and audition for parts and look at your resume. Go, oh, the wedding singer. I love that movie. You know, uh, we're not hiring you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what you realize is if they don't see you fitting the part, you're not going to get the part, no matter right. how good you Right. Um, so I just realized that, and even the wrestling parts here in Hollywood, I maybe got twenty-five or thirty percent of them. That was it. Um, the rest went to non-wrestlers, and that's just the way it is. They felt they looked more like a wrestler than I did. Well, that's uh, you can thank Vince McMahon for that, I guess. You know, maybe. Think, uh, maybe the way he makes everybody look like uh, they got to look like a star in a way, or you know, different. Because when I grew up watching wrestling, wrestlers looked like wrestlers. They just looked like just a gigantic man, you know? Amen! <laughs> they look like they could whoop your ass, not sit around and play video games all day. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, most of the guys that I face, you would never want to meet in a dark alley because it yeah. would be pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you keep pretty busy these days, correct? Yeah. Uh, pretty much acting. I know that, uh, we were trying to schedule this. So you had, uh, you had a bunch of, you know, you had to fit it into your schedule basically that you're kind of busy. So what do you, you have coming up, uh, um, soon? tomorrow, um, evening, I've got to work on a movie. Mm -hmm. I go till I believe 4am and I got an 8am to be a cowboy Jeez. on Thursday. So I'm a cowboy all day. And then I go back to you know, this other movie and shoot a night. So I've got a back to back to back almost. Um, yeah. Crazy stuff I do, but you know, Hey, um, I can rest when I'm dead and I'm having fun and I'm enjoying it. And I love, I just love to work. No, that's awesome. That's great. Um, so I wish you the best of luck in, in all of that. And I want to, I want to know about this stuff that's coming up. So, um, 
you know, when it's released. Okay. Anything good, like, you know, obviously shoot me a message or whatever. Uh, I think so. I mentioned to you about cauliflower over in Vegas. Yep, you did mention. When's yeah. that? Uh, that's uh, that, that's August? August. Yeah, August, yep. yep. Um, you get a chance to meet a, a lot of the wrestlers. I know Coco Beware is coming in, and Coco and I go way back, many road trips. Uh, I was able to uh, re retouch with uh, Paul Orndorff, and Paul sadly had um, Alzheimer's. And um, his son was there with him when I got to see him uh, like five years ago, I think it was. Yeah. I was walking up and Paul was like, so, so you could tell, you know, he was, he knew something was there, but he couldn't put the pieces together. And right. we had great conversations and I told him a lot of the old road trips we took and who we worked for and, you know, helped, you know, helped him along with the memory. And yeah, such a great time. Um, I miss Dusty Rhodes. Dusty was supposed to come in and he passed away before that happened. Um, so I've learned, you know, I have to take advantage of all of these different people because we don't know if if we are going to be there or they're going to be there ever again. Right. Um, Tomorrow's so, not promised. Yeah. No, not at all. And um, my old AWA name, Colonel De Beers. There you go. Ed Wisconsin. Eddie. Yeah. yeah. Well, yep. we ended up seeing him in Vegas here maybe six or eight years ago, and he didn't look good. He was still a big man. Yeah. It always amazed me how thick that, you know, wide shoulders, you know, thick in the chest. I mean, he was a true wrestler. Yes. Um, but to see him and we knew he had, he had cancer and he wasn't doing well, and I think he came to say his goodbyes. And, you know, as sad as it was, we were, we were happy and honored that he did it. And it was good to see him and be able to say goodbye, you know. Um, so this reunion's good for, you know, a lot of the stuff. Um, for fans, you know, fans are invited. Um, they get to partake in all things. The dinner cost, I think it's about $150 for two dinners. Okay. Um, they, you get the Tuesday night, which they call the Bachwinkle Blowout now, which is basically like a humongous deli tray. Um, they feed 700 people, and they never run out. So you can right. make you know, two, three, ten sandwiches if you wanted with, with all the little fixings. And then the next night, the big night, um, uh, is a sit-down dinner, and it's like steak and shrimp or something along those lines, um, you know, where the, they feed you or, the, you know, the, they bring the plate to the table. So a little more classier. But, yeah, like 150 and is it worth that much money? No, but you're there with some of the top guys in the wrestling business. And that's, that's it's the experience. Cool. It's the experience. Yeah. So, and yeah. all day Tuesday, uh, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday too, I guess um, they have what they call the gimmick room. And a lot of guys will be in there selling their autographs, tapes, things like that, taking pictures and you can go in and talk to them and get, you know, buy merchandise and, you know, whatever you want. So for the fans, that's pretty cool. And, you know, um, um, I used to have a booth there and then, you know, I just got tired of that and wanted to go have more fun. And, um, but the nice part was everybody that was at that convention, every big name would walk around looking at everything and you get your chance to get your picture with them and things like that. So that was always cool. And, um, you know, but yeah, I'm the bigger and better things. One of these days, I'm gonna have to get out there because uh, you know I've been toying with the idea for a few years now, and it just sounds like an amazing time between hearing from it from yourself and other podcasters that have uh, spoken about there being there and stuff like that. It just sounds like an amazing time. It is. Um, I'm gonna be honored this year with another award. I received uh, the Jason Sanderson, who's a um, old time wrestler back in your area. Um, from back in the day, but he has uh, gave away a humanitarian award okay. because of all the charities I did. I received that, I think it was 2012. And now here we are 11 years later, and I'm going to get the real award, which is R-E-E-L for all the stuff I've done in Hollywood. Well, congratulations. And only, and, well, thank you. But the only person that has more credits than I do is Judo Jean LaBelle. Yes. Wow. Number two yeah. on the list is Rowdy Roddy Piper. I'm in between the two of them. So I realized, like, wow, that's um, those are humongous names. I'm honored to just be in the same sentence as them. 
So it's uh, very humbling, but um, I'm very thankful for this award coming up. And so, yeah, if you're going to miss the award, fine, dude, stay home. <laughs> you can follow along online as well, too. You know, they have an Instagram page, which I uh, follow quite frequently. So it's, yeah. it's updated all the time. So yeah, one of these days, I'm definitely going to try to get out there. Hopefully, maybe this year. Who knows? Like, I'm on the convention circuit this year. So, uh, okay. making, so hopefully I'll do that one, too. Anyways, I want to uh, thank you for coming on here tonight. I really appreciate it. So um, where could people find you? Um, Instagram is probably the easiest. Al Burke, all one word, A-L-B-U-R-K-E, 4782, I believe it is. I'm holding a baby tiger. Um, and uh, that's the place where, you all know, I'm taking people. I think I've got like 80,000 followers now. I mean, like I did a Billie Eilish video, and I think I got 20,000 of her fans instantly wow. from that. I wow. did Cardi B. I did her album cover. I think I got another ten or 15,000 of her people. Um, so, you, you know, they find out that, oh, you're the cop in this or cop in that, you know, because I'm usually the cop. Um, yeah, so I've gotten a lot of followers there and not so much wrestling anymore. And my Instagram originally was just for the animals I've worked with. Hence mm -hmm. the baby tiger, but I've worked with, you know, um, full grown elephants and things like that, you know, from dogs to cats to, to mice to rats to snakes. Um, even Britney Spears, famous albino snake, I've worked with that one. Not with Brit Britney, sadly. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I've been very blessed in all the things I do. But yeah, if people want to find me, that would be the easiest place. And I usually post at least one picture a day. Okay. Um, I, I try for, you know, no less than four or five a week, but there's times, you know, one a day, you know, maybe even two. Um, so that's the easiest way to keep track of me and all the goofy things I get to do in life. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on here and maybe we'll have you back someday to talk about some of your projects coming up. Perfect. Thank you much, Rick. A pleasure. And uh, have a good evening and see you in Vegas. Yes, sir.